Well, hey there. My name is Jason Kaliba, and you're listening to The Real Podcast. For more than 20 years now, I've been a pastor. One of the best parts about being a pastor is serving and getting to know people. People are interesting, fascinating, actually. The more you get to know someone, the more you hear their story, the more interested and inspired you usually become. So I got this idea to start a podcast where I could sit down with some of those people so that other people like you could get to know them too. And that's what you get on my podcast, the stories and insights of real people that I hope will challenge you and inspire you to grow. This is The Real Podcast. Thanks for listening. All right, here we go. I think it's become pretty much a joke to talk about 2020 and what a year it's been, what a season uh, we find ourselves in uh, this past year. Um, But certainly on a lot of levels, it plays true in our lives here in Alberta. And uh, it holds true for the real podcast in that... um, When the pandemic hit in March, uh, a short time, maybe six, seven weeks later, uh, we started to record some of our episodes via Zoom with different guests and um, continued to do that here into the fall. And then uh, 2020 took an interesting turn for me uh, as a pastor here in Cochrane in that this fall in late October, I accepted uh, a new role in my day job um, and uh, am moving in 2021 to Vernon, British Columbia, where I will uh, begin my new position as lead pastor of Vernon Alliance Church. And uh, I'm super excited about that, even as I find myself in... Um, uh, a unique season of transition here in Cochrane, uh, f- winding down 21 years of ministry in this particular church uh, and winding it down when the normal ways uh, that a uh, pastor's life uh, concludes in their church um, because of the guidelines that are outlined by the provincial government Um, just ways of uh, saying goodbye or uh, gathering together with friends or marking occasions, uh, those look pretty different. So um, we're not sure yet uh, how the real podcast will continue to roll, although we've been talking about potential ways uh, what we've been doing can continue maybe in a new format. And I won't preview any of that until uh, I can give... uh, give some good direction. But uh, as I thought about it, as I talk with my uh, team of other pastoral leaders here in the church, um, we thought it might be interesting, at least to us, uh, if, uh, again, if it's only my mom who finds it interesting, then uh, then this will be an hour that uh, my mom can enjoy. Uh, but we did think as a staff that it might be interesting to flip the, flip the script, so to speak, uh, and put... Uh, me on the other side of the mic for an episode to reflect back on um, more than two decades of ministry here in the town of Cochrane and particularly in Cochrane Alliance Church. And so as I thought about doing that, um, I thought there would be no one better uh, to take the role of interviewer uh, than my 
co-worker and friend Jason Dimnick, who serves as youth pastor at Cochrane Alliance Church, and uh, who I've always marveled at his hosting abilities, although uh, this may be his first time hosting a podcast. So I want to welcome into the real studio and then quickly hand over the power uh, to Jason Dimnick. Jason, welcome uh, to the real studio. Fantastic. Well, thank you, Jason. Um, obviously, a very strong choice in uh, bringing me in here today. Um, obviously, the right choice, too, uh, to have me do this for you. Um, this is not, I must say, this this was not a, Jason, this is part of your, your work duties here this week. Um, it was an ask, and uh, I was excited to be able to come and, uh, and to share some time with you, Jason, but uh, just to, to talk about your life and uh, to talk about your ministry. And so, as, as Jason has said, um, he has a lot of history here within this church, but has uh, significantly built into my own life and, uh, and my leadership here too. And I'm very thankful uh, for his friendship and for his leadership. And so just to be able to sit down and talk about life and to, uh, to have that be able to be shared uh, with many of you who I know as well have uh, been impacted by his leadership and his friendship. Uh, about uh, his integrity um, as a man of God. Uh, I'm excited to just have you share that and uh, to be part of it. So thank you for asking me uh, to do this. And um, yeah, I'm looking forward to, to the time here. So Jason, as you said, you do have a lot of history here uh, within this church and have been here for many years. So why don't you just start uh, for, for our listeners, uh, for us all together, just to hear a little bit about your journey here? When did it start? What has it looked like over the time uh, to, to our time here today? Yeah. Uh, so I uh, graduated from Prairie Bible College in the metropolis of uh, Three Hills, Alberta in 1997 in April. I did some tree planting that summer. I got married to Cindy uh, at the end of August. Uh, and while I was tree planting, um, I got a call from the board here in Cochrane, and they were looking uh, to add a youth pastor to their staff. And uh, I know since then I've gotten into the I've gotten into the uh, the back room uh, information, so to speak, uh, and learned that I wasn't necessarily the first choice. Uh, <laughs> but uh, they uh, took a chance on me. Uh, my first boss, Don Newfeld, uh, who's a uh, uh, a friend of the church for sure, past past lead pastor, and uh, also mm. a, a former guest of the Real Podcast. I'm sure yeah. that's really the highlight on his resume. <laughs> um, but uh, Don invited me to serve as youth pastor and uh, had five great years as a uh, youth pastor from 1997 until the fall of 2002 and uh, went to Regent College uh, and resigned my role as youth pastor for uh, in in 2002 and spent two years in Vancouver uh, with Cindy where our first daughter Katie was born and then uh, was invited back by Don who is still serving as lead pastor uh, to come back as associate in the fall of 2004 and serve for a whopping oh I don't know uh, seven months as associate pastor Don then took a role with um, the, our denomination and our, our district here in Alberta. And uh, then in May, the board invited me to uh, consider the role of lead pastor, which I said yes to, uh, mm. and began my role as lead pastor in May 2005. So it has been uh, 
15 and a bit years of serving as lead pastor now. So Fantastic. that takes us to today. Yeah, very good. Awesome. Well, so obviously they're kind of kind of two big chunks, I would say, kind of in your time here then as youth pastor and as lead pastor, that associate role that you said, kind of seven months. And so maybe not a lot there, but why don't you talk to us a little bit about time as youth pastor versus time as, as lead pastor? What was some of the joy in both? And was, was that always the desire to, to move through um, being youth pastor into into more of a, a senior role? And um, obviously, unlike myself, you did not just remain in, in youth ministry, um, but uh, had had desires to, to, to lead. And so talk to us a little bit about uh, the differences there between the two. Hmm. Um, well, I, as I think back to my calling and how God called me to be a pastor, uh, even as a junior high student, I think that's when I first had some inkling that this might be the kind of thing I'd like to do with my life or that God might call me to use my life for. As most junior high boys do. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> um, that had to be pretty unique amongst your peers, right? And not a lot of junior high boys think in ministry at, at, their, at that age. Yeah, I suppose so. I, I don't think that it was like I... It never registered with me that it might be yeah. unique or odd, um, but that's just how it panned out for me. So, uh, yeah. Uh, and but when I imagined being mm. a pastor uh, back then, uh, there probably were two things that became clear as I moved into my high school years that I that speaking and preaching was something that I wanted to be doing mm. and was already thinking about in in a very simplistic way, and. Somewhere in high school, it just was a natural thing for me, maybe because I really appreciated my youth pastors growing up, mm. um, that the first step in learning the craft of pastoring would likely be to serve youth. Mm. So I... And uh, the highest of callings. And the highest of callings. Right. It would all be downhill from there. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I, when I went, when I enrolled uh, at Prairie, it was my full intention to engage with youth and mm. I, I, I don't think I saw youth ministry as a, um, as a rung in, mm. in the ladder of my career progression, but s there was something in the back of my head that said, I, I think I would like to have more opportunity in the pulpit as I progress in my, uh, career. And generally there was an understanding in my head that, youth pastors don't always get first access to the pulpit. Mm. So um, so I probably had some sense of that, um, that, that there might be something different than, than youth ministry only, um, although I didn't have any clear sense of that. Mm. And when I look at the differences between the two, um, my years as youth pastor here were wonderful years. Um, uh, the church as a whole was going through a great time of health and growth and blessing uh, mm. from the Holy Spirit. Don was providing uh, excellent leadership at the time. And, uh, you know, as the saying goes, a, a rising tide uh, uh, floats all boats, or does it rise all boats? I guess I don't know the saying very <laughs> no, well. Good. It was very impressionable, <laughs> though, on your life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I just think as as the the 
the board and uh, the senior leadership was was giving good uh, leadership and God was blessing. Uh, the youth ministry just got carried along with that. And I, um, I really grew. Uh, I just, I, I had a, I had a lot of fun to be frank, uh, and was given a lot of latitude to experiment mm. and implement my ideas, whether they were good or not. And um, so, when I think about the difference, uh, be- because I was at here and leading at a time of, of health in the church and under under godly and competent leaders. Um, maybe I had a bit of an overconfidence in myself and because it seemed for the most part when we tried stuff in that time, Mm -hmm. it seemed to work when we put strategies into place. um, uh, The ministry grew. uh, Kids came to know Jesus. They stepped out in in new ways. They they grew as disciples. Um, So I I think I subconsciously bought into the idea, well, that's just how it is. And that's just how it works. And it's relatively straightforward. And leadership is actually fairly intuitive and easy. Mm. And I I probably would have had some thoughts at that time going, you know what, Don is leading well. Uh, but wh- if I ever led, man, we would even do better. Uh, and <laughs> uh, if I could go back and talk to my younger self, I would give myself a sharp rap on the knuckles uh if not maybe mm. a little smack in the forehead so the the biggest difference i think getting into in into the lead role is that um leadership pastoring um the uh the shepherding of uh, a community of adults and families at at a wide range of life stage a wide range of um, life experience, theological perspective, personalities mm. is um, multiple times more complex than leading at a, at, uh, at the youth level. And that's Jason, not to take away anything from the excellent leadership you're giving here. Not at all. No, uh, no. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and so I would say for sure the first three years of of my ministry as a lead pastor were certainly a, an awakening to some of the character and leadership deficits that I carried into the role um, of, of the fact that I wasn't as smart as I thought I was and that there was a, a good deal more development that needed to happen within me to lead mm. uh, an entire congregation well. Um, uh, another big difference is <coughs> leading, like I, I was a, a leadership team of one in terms of paid staff and led with an excellent group of people who were youth leaders at the time. Uh, and then coming into a lead role where you mm. lead other pastors who are on the payroll and, um, and are, are uh, professionals in their own right, that skill set is it uh, it didn't necessarily come inbred in me uh, that had to be learned and mm. so there was some significant it took quite a few years I think to grow in competence of how to lead a team well and it's just a it's a different um, it's a different thing to to have your own ideas and largely lead your yourself to carrying a team of people along as a staff and 
uh, also lead pastors serve um, as part of the Board of Elders and under the authority of the Board of Elders and uh, board boardmanship was another thing that I, to be honest, I, mm. I, I came as a rather blank slate into that. Mm. And so all of those uh, skills, all of those arts had to be learned on the job. And so I just, the, the complexity factor rises. Sure. Um, and and um, yeah, so those are just some, some, th- yeah. some major differences that I would Great. say. Yeah, thank you. Um, reflecting on that a little bit, obviously, um, transition happened and hearing you speak, it's not for the sake of just transition taking place or wanting to, to move up and to different leadership or anything, but that there's clearly a calling within, within you and on your life from God to, to lead in, in new and different ways, um, that brought you to the place where you, where you are now. And so obviously myself feeling calling to, to remain in youth ministry and be there and Mm -hmm. you feeling calling to, to be in youth for that time. And then as, as well to, to move forward and to take on, on senior leadership, how has, how, how have you personally changed? So understanding that there are those changes that take place and God adapts and changes things with within you and calls you to new things. Jason from 2004, uh, serving in, in youth ministry, brand new here at Cochrane Alliance Church to now um, serving as lead pastor and now moving on to, to something else to t- 2020. How has Jason Kaliba changed in that mm-hmm. time? <clears throat> Yeah, it's that's it's hard to um, it's hard to quantify, and mm. I, I I sometimes actually have thought in the past month or two, I I would love to be able to to go back in time and just uh, watch myself and listen to myself talk and get into my own head to see w- <laughs> what was I really like fifteen years ago. Um, maybe the first things that come to mind uh, are. Uh, I, I've heard some leaders say that uh, unless uh, unless a, a leader has some battle scars and some some has come to grips with some of their own weakness and wounding um, that they may not be leading yet to the degree that God has for them because they need to go through some of that. And so I think one thing that is significantly le- different from the Jason of 2002 or 2004 is uh, s- coming to grips with my some of my own failure, um, uh, my own immaturities, and having that, having just the course of life and leadership bring that to the surface. Uh, and I would say, particularly in the arena of conflict, whether it be uh, conflicting with with team members that have worked alongside me, um, or um, m- making decisions, or failure to make some decisions that come back to to bite, mm. um, that's that is that is the. Um, if God is, is if if God's the potter and I'm the clay, then the the wheel of conflict and uh, disappointment or failure is where really a lot of the shaping has mm. come. Um, and 
So, yeah, figuring out uh, how to lead um, in the midst of that is is a major way that I'm different. Um, I think a number of years ago, uh, um, when I felt like I needed to sit down uh, with someone else to process some of my own thoughts, so I, I did sat in my office on my couch That's and right. processed. L- lied on your couch. Right, yeah. yes. <laughs> you do have the best couch uh, here for lying down. It, it gets pretty good use. <laughs> Maybe not for counseling purposes, but... <laughs> uh, but a few years ago, I think when I was coming uh, to grips with some new layers of, of my own thinking um, and and seeing that there were false ideas or ideals that I held for myself... Um, maybe I'll, I'll try to give an example. All of that's very vague, but hmm. I remember um, talking with the counselor about my expectations of myself uh, and how I had failed to reach those and, and thus had failed God in the church. And she said, so Jason, let me get it straight. You believe that um, you need to have a 100% clear view of the past all the circumstances that have led up to the present moment and have a have a complete understanding of the history that's led to this point in your decision-making. And I said, yes. And then she said, so, and you would also believe that it's your responsibility to the church and to God to have a complete view of the present and all the circumstances and all the variables that are currently at, at play. And I said, well, yeah, of course. And then she said, and you also feel you're responsible to look ahead into the future at all potential outcomes of any given decision of what you might do as a church and um and and that you need to see them and pick the the path that would lead to the best results and the least amount of hurt and i'm like yeah that's my responsibility and she said so ultimately you believe that you're god (laughs) and i said that that sounds hilarious but yeah i think that's what i that's what i think that god holds me accountable to that level and she's like well how could god possibly expect you to be him because clearly you're not and i'm like yeah i i agree and so Mm. uh, but nonetheless uh, uh when when decisions or um when things work out a certain way and they don't always they're not always smooth i i always saw that as a failure on my part and and coming to grips with the fact that God can only ask me to lead as, as a human being, like any other human being leader, leader before me. And Mm. that, um, failure, uh, miscalculation or just change, um, will come into it. Like any other person, Mm. uh, has, has been something I've had to embrace and let go of, uh, an expectation that God might have me to be, to make it perfect, to do Jesus like decisions every time. Hmm. Um, that's one, that's one primary way I'm different. I think another thing, another major thing, um, maybe speaking more tactile is, uh, the passion that I have to see the church engage the community and the culture around it, not just be about the programs and ministries of the church, but how do we, um, Live our lives. How do we do the ministry of the church? How do we be the people of God in a way that mm. brings good news and brings the healing life of Jesus to the community around us? Mm. 
maybe I had some of that, that passion or understanding internally in, you know, 20 years ago, but it probably was 10 years ago that mission and the, being a person, being a church that exists for the good of the community mm-hmm. and being a primary calling, uh, that that got fleshed out somewhere um, in the first five to seven years of Mm -hmm. my lead pastoring. Mm -hmm. And I, I hope that will be something that remains as part of the, the, the DNA of Cochrane Alliance. So that's something that I think we learned together and, and that God really shaped in me during my time. And is a a big difference than Jason 20 years ago. Hmm. Well, I've obviously seen that Jason. I didn't see Jason 20 years ago, but um, He's much better looking than the one not, that's before you right now. <laughs> not quite as gray in the in the hair, right? Mm-hmm. But um, <laughs> um, when I when I came about eight years ago, I I remember seeing that that heart and that passion within you, and that was one thing that uh, that really energized my myself and my ministry too. Was seeing the excitement that Cochrane Alliance and you personally had to to be involved in the community and to be missional, and even sitting across from you now seeing. Um, wearing a helping hands hoodie, right? Like being involved in local organizations that are here and not just with organizations, but with people and have always seen just your heart for the ways in which you engage with with your neighbors and welcome them into your home and the way in which you you live um, truly is something that I've seen within you. So mm. so as you talk about that being a growth, I have definitely seen that within mm. your life. And it's a, it's an encouragement and I think has, has challenged many people around here mm. in how they live as well. So no, I'd say it's ongoing. I definitely haven't yeah. arrived anywhere, but no, there's ongoing, but um, you're moving in that direction. Yeah, and sure. that's, that's, that's great. Talk to us about, uh, moments. I think people love to hear story and obviously 20 years gives you um, lots of story. And so thinking uh, moments, I th- maybe sometimes people think, oh yeah, pastors um, have this perception of all we're doing is, is studying, preparing for sermons and marrying and burying people or what, whatever it might be, right? Mm-hmm. But, uh, but that there is, there is fun and there is a lot of joy that comes in serving too. And there is a lot of humor that happens within a church family too. Remember you up on, uh, on the church platform singing happy, dancing around or being funny and goofy with our, with our staff, with Lego heads dancing down the aisles and stuff. Mm-hmm. Talk, to, talk to us about some, some funny moments uh, that you have here at Cochrane Alliance. Well, uh, there's several stories that I've said if I uh, <laughs> decide to write a book someday that I, I definitely will include in uh, what I'm sure will be a self-publication. Um, they mostly come back on us, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but a few, there's a few that, uh, as of yet, uh, I don't think it's my prerogative to share. Although I'm, I know, Jason, looking at you, you know some of those stories that, uh, that, I, would, uh, that I would tell. Probably because uh, they're about my life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not necessarily. Hmm. Um, yeah, I, I, there's boatloads of fun stories. Uh, Even just uh, moments of joy to yeah, you, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think one, one, uh, one moment that is funny uh, and not so funny hmm. was um, early on. It would have been within the first year of starting as as uh, lead pastor, I was doing a, a series where we were talking about the different chapters of uh, 
the the big picture of of the world and and uh, what God is doing. And one sermon was about death and the reality of death and how the gospel brings hope uh, to people who are mortal like us. And uh, my idea was to bring a casket into the uh, <laughs> into the sanctuary uh, to illustrate just how death was real. Hmm. And so uh, I we had. Um, we had a funeral director in the congregation at the time. I asked if he could get access to a casket. He said he could. He delivered that early in the week. And my plan uh, initially was that uh, I could get wheeled into the, the, the church at, at the start of the sermon and that I would open the casket and come out of death and kind of have a little bit of a, a lighthearted moment. And uh, the board chairman at the time, uh, Daryl Bender, uh, was there when I was talking about my plan. He didn't say anything when he first heard it, but I remember him coming back a day or two later, popping by my office as he did when he was the chair at the time. Hmm. And he said, you know, Jason, um, I have been thinking, uh, <clears throat> I don't think you should come in in the casket. I, I think that's too much. And uh, thankfully, I did <laughs> listen, and uh, we all we did is thank just you, Daryl. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> we we did roll in the casket uh, by itself, and um, I talked by it, and I didn't make any jokes. I, I mm. used it as a mem- moment of levity. But even that, even having the casket in the service was triggering for mm. a number of people, and. Uh, uh, there, it was received difficultly by a number of people. And um, as I dealt with that, in the back of my mind was, well, if you only knew what I was really going to do. <laughs> <laughs> this so, is much less. That's <laughs> yes, right. yes. That's right. hmm. uh, I, I also remember another time. There might not have been 20 years of Jason <laughs> Kaliva here at the church. <laughs> a, a few years after that, we, were, we always give, like we do, different gifts to on Mother's Day and Father's Day, and uh, I don't know, this is probably 12 years ago, 10 years ago. I'm like, you know what? Let's, because like the tradition is when there's a new dad, they like have a cigar after they uh, they have a new baby. And uh, so I'm like, well, why don't we give licorice cigars out to all the dads on Father's Day? What could go wrong? <laughs> so uh, Larry's like, yeah, okay. And he went and to the bulk store and got like, I don't know, 10 packs of, of licorice cigars. And I actually really like licorice cigars. They're <laughs> really tasty candy. And um, But then he he said, again, this was about four or five days before Father's Day. He came into my office and said, Jason, uh, Pixie and I have been talking about this, and I, I think that your idea is not a good one. And I think if we do this, it, it might not go well. And so I submitted to the wisdom of my elder we uh we Good returned choice. the licorice cigars i don't know what we you returned them wow uh, re- As, we, we didn't even open you, them. you didn't have to consume that many licorice no. cigars <laughs> so those are those are a couple funny moments and some of my mm. listeners might not f- they would uh, rather than find that funny they might think that it demonstrates a lack of judgment but so be it um <laughs> i think some of my proud moments uh and i've been reflecting on this even as i think about uh, yeah and talk to us about some of those proud ones so yeah. um as we kind of reflected, right, I said, sometimes I'm understanding as a parent now these proud parent moments when you get to uh, brag on your kid, right, and you take every chance you can. Mm-hmm. What are some some proud parent, but more, I, I consider them proud pastor moments as you look back and you're like, these are these are proud moments that I have here as a, my people here in Cochrane Alliance Church. Yeah. Um, 
some that come to mind are recently uh, in this spring when the, mm. the pandemic broke out and uh, we we launched the ambassador initiative where we invited a bunch of people within the church just to reach out by phone to about seven to ten people check in see how they're doing meet any needs pass on prayer requests and we had over 50 people on that first call respond and and then fan out and and just uh reach out to people by phone and then coming to the meetings and hearing the reports of what they learned uh Mm. and and seeing the prayer requests being channeled to our elders um, I, I remember probably the April board meeting as we met as as elders via Zoom uh, for our regular board meeting, but a good chunk of the meeting was just taken up by praying for these requests that had been recruited mm. or that had been that had been gathered by our ambassadors. It was it was probably my, the best board meeting that I have ever had in mm. in uh, in fifteen years as lead pastor. It was a, pr- a proud moment. Um, I think another m- proud moment, uh, <coughs> uh, our men participate in a global ministry called Fourth Musketeer, and I got to do the first, I've, I've participated as a trekker, uh, but also uh, as uh, a guy on the trail giving some of the devotional uh, lesson material. And uh, so in spring of 2019 uh, when I did that and and being uh, at one part of of the weekend and seeing what God was up to in the lives of 150 men some from our church but men from across Western Canada and and seeing the major stake that Cochrane Alliance men were having and giving leadership to that weekend and knowing the ripple effects it would have in churches across the country that was a pretty proud moment for me. Mm. Um, there's been a few ways when we've reached out um, to the community. I think in 2007, um, uh, where the Cochrane Trailer Court, where I lived from 97 to 02, mm. uh, they sold the property to um, a developer. And so all those people uh, who are in the trailer court were required to move their trailer off. Um uh, the, the property and in our community was launched. Uh, Dan Crawford, who leads a lot of stuff and a, a lot of different initiatives in our community, called it uh, United Homecoming. And I think Cochrane raised somewhere between three and four hundred thousand dollars wow. uh, to assist those people in relocation. Very cool. And we, as a uh, church community, uh, I I think it was over twenty thousand dollars that we raised to as within our church. That's to, amazing to give. To to that that was pretty mm. special uh moment uh, so i could probably talk for a half an hour on other moments yeah. but those are a few that stick out that's fantastic initially. yeah uh it's a it's a it's a good church family um in my time being here too just reflecting and uh yeah the opportunities we get to brag are are good ones and so that those are those are really good yeah moments always involve people like we've been talking about already so bragging on people and when you reflected on even funny moments you highlighted a few people who spoke wisdom into your life there mm-hmm. um that's a big part of ministry and again jason i want to say to to you you've been one of those people in my life and i've greatly benefited from from your leadership and my transition out here 
um, was largely because of you and, and your leadership. And um, you've helped to, to stretch and to grow me as a leader. And I have much to attribute to you in the way that, that I lead and the time that I have had here. Um, you have more history here, obviously, than I do and have had many people speak into your life in this church and that have helped shape and form the leader that you are. Mm-hmm. Who would be some of those people and uh, what are some of those things that you have taken from these people? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a very good question. Uh, and also there's so many people that I'm I know sure. that I'll miss uh, some key voices. Um, mm. But uh, let me give a, a few that come off the top of my head. It Jason Dimnick. <laughs> Sorry, no, go <laughs> yes, ahead. Yeah, that, continue. Was a, that, that was the first one coming, right? Aside from him. <laughs> right. Uh, um, in my youth days, uh, at that time, uh, Alliance youth pastors in the Calgary area had a group that met pretty much monthly. And they, instead of the A team, they called themselves the B team. Hmm. And, uh, so for my first five years, uh, the, the pastors in that group were key mentors and voices. And, and many of those, uh, guys are serving in, uh, different churches across the country right now, but had it, they, hmm. they really helped, um, accelerate my, progression as a youth pastor. Um, I've already mentioned Don Neufeld, who was my first boss uh, here. And then as he transitioned into um, uh, being a district coach, a church effectiveness coach, he was essentially my key contact uh, at our denominational office in, in Calgary. And Don has walked with me my entire career, uh, mm. both as a direct supervisor and then as uh, a mentor or a sounding board, uh, and even this recent decision um, that we made to consider going to Vernon, uh, Don was um, a, maybe a, outside my family the, the first person that I hmm. uh, uh, bounced the uh, the potential uh, off of. Yeah. So um, I, I've learned a, a great deal uh, just from yeah interacting with him, and uh, I'm deeply appreciative. My chairman over the years um, have uh, have helped me a lot. So I already mentioned Daryl Bender, uh, Tim Hevener, um, uh, Doyle Peterson, and recently uh, current chair John Schwab. All of those, uh, and Frank Godry uh, was uh, also chair for many years here. Um, all of those guys, when you're a, a lead pastor, you're chair is uh, the person that is going through the joys but also some of the heavy stuff and navigate you when you know sometimes I can fly off the handle or <laughs> over overreact or get overly pessimistic about what's going on and I <clears throat> I can remember key moments hmm. uh, for all of those guys uh, who have uh, been there to walk with me especially uh, the memorable times are maybe more the more difficult moments uh, and and um, given advice, prayed for me, uh, told me to relax and calm down and not take myself so seriously. Um, so all, all of my chair chairmen over the years, uh, Terry Mocker is uh, another uh, person who has uh, walked beside me for a lot of years, particularly 2008 to 2012, we were meeting almost on a weekly basis together, pray together, uh, talk through our lives and families and, and, and ministry. 
Uh, Terry has uh, been a great friend and support to me over the years. Mm. Um, also, uh, the first guest I ever had on uh, this uh, podcast, Gwyn Butler. Um, uh, Gwyn and I haven't tracked like in a mentoring capacity, so to speak, but just uh, watching her life and navigate uh, highs and lows of her life was another is another person I deeply respect and have learned a lot from. Mm, that's great. Good to have so many, yeah, close people speaking into your life. And again, yeah, we've been really blessed here in this context uh, with the people that we serve with. And so that's mm. that's fantastic. What have you learned um, from your team? Uh, obviously, you've you've served with many people here uh, in the board capacity, but also as a staff. What would you say you've learned from your team, uh, but also from your congregation here at Cochrane Alliance? From the team, I th- I think uh, f- from the team, w- allowing people just to do their thing, giving them uh, guidance, giving them support, um, encouraging them to set goals and then follow through on those, but then taking hands off and allowing people to shine. Mm. And and do their thing without being micromanaged. Uh, I've learned that uh, what comes out of that is far far more than if you're directly have your hands on the on the levers and and buttons of everything and making sure it all flows from your desk. I don't think that was ever my intention, but I think early days I was too too much concerned that I speak into everything that was going on and uh as i just learned to travel alongside and trust you guys to do your thing you start to see well you know we as we talk about youth ministry there's a boatload of things going on in youth ministry that really i have zero to do with uh, and yet it's a fruit of you being the leader that god has called you to be or Mm -hmm. things happening in our uh, anchor crews, or I, I already mentioned Fourth Musketeer. What does that have to do with me? Almost nothing. But hmm. uh, Mike uh, encountered some leaders who saw an opportunity. They gave it a try and asked for the latitude to do some things within the church. Just said, well, go for it. I trust you. And hmm. it looks good. And it's a good reason. And all of this stuff just happens. And all I needed to do was uh, see how it fit within the broader vision of the church. But otherwise, allow space um so yeah giving i've learned to not think so highly of my own stuff and allow people more latitude Mm. and i i I would here want to throw a bouquet at the at uh, mike potker's feet as um Mm. uh he has um really shown me not just we senior leaders like to have vision and ideas and do creative things, but Mike has really taught me a lot about follow through and uh, continuing to work the process to see actual results and uh, deliverables. As he, that's maybe a word that he taught me. And spreadsheets, I'm sure too, <laughs> he right? Loves his Excel file. Yes. So, which uh, to me is the worst. <laughs> You're not taking that with you to your new, to your new uh, role. Still, of, of all the s- Microsoft suite, that's still the one I have no clue how that works. Um, <laughs> Mike is hanging his head, shaking <laughs> right is, now. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but uh, I've I've really learned uh, 
project management. Mm. Not even that I do project management. Mike has been the primary project management here, but seeing the gold that can comes wh- the gold that comes when you work a project hmm. and, and and continue to work it over the long time from Larry Charter I've learned just the the simple care for follow up and mm-hmm. humble serving of people for sure um, and Larry's been so gracious with me uh, it takes a unique person hmm. to serve alongside a leader who is more than 20 years your junior and Larry Mm. hung in for a lot of years with me never complained even when he should have when when he (laughs) should have like kind of said listen bud uh you've overstepped your bounds Larry always Hmm. um took a very respectful tone with me Mm. um and um so just serving diligently uh humbly and placing the needs of people above your own uh i i learned a great deal and there's been a few times that larry will even still recently i can even during this pandemic he came into my office and just said uh, you know i think i think it might be time for you to 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 do, do some more pastoral things here i think the people need mm. you to acknowledge some of that or step into some of that and never in a way that was rude or or demanding but just um, so for some of my people care stuff, I've learned boatloads from, from charts. Yeah, for sure. On that note, um, I do want to talk transition, but before we, we get there, thinking about things that uh, people have taught you, um, you reflected a little bit with, with Mike and Larry there, some of the things that they've impressed upon you. You have many years, experience, knowledge, and um, in, in serving and in ministry, I'd like to give you an opportunity too to just speak to, to young leaders, those that are maybe just starting in ministry or those that would even be contemplating ministry. Um, what wisdom or encouragement would you speak to, to them? Well, if you're thinking about what you want to do with your life, first of all, uh, I would just encourage you to think about uh, church leadership as a worthy path for your skills and capacity. Um, I was talking with uh, my brother and sister-in-law a couple of years ago, and they just said we've always encouraged our kids to think about hmm. full-time ministry as a, as a really good way to use their lives. And I think maybe 100 years ago, 150 years ago, um, there was prestige that came along with being the a pastor. Uh, mm. So you could be a doctor or a lawyer or a pastor. And uh, it's almost laughable now in culture. Like, what? Like, why <laughs> would I want to do that? Uh, um, but I, I just think we, we definitely, I want some of our best and brightest caring for my physical health. I want some of the best and brightest going into politics uh i want some of the best and brightest and most um committed jesus people leading businesses absolutely but i also want some of our best and brightest and most creative and most committed jesus followers leading the church Mm. um and even if some of the prestige or the 
financial payoff might not come uh, like it used to, this is a great place to serve and use your gifts. And I, I just think of the privileges I've had over the past 15 years to grow personally, to have <clears throat> uh, my own spiritual development, to be part of my job, given opportunity to read deeply. I've been sent literally around the world to mm. see churches and ministries and cultures in action. Um, it is a fantastic job. So I know I'm not even answering the question. The, the <laughs> question is, what would you say to Pastors leaders? do that well. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> but I, I would say to parents, uh, why not ask your kids about sure. whether they would consider ministry as, a, as something they would do vocationally? And if you're mm. young, why not consider serving the church as something you do full-time? Because we need great leaders uh, that are serving and... and um, and the, there's lots of opportunity in the evangelical church in the future to do that. Mm. What would I say as advice, if you are already or you're on the path to being a Christian leader, it's cliche to say that the development of your character is as or even more important than mm. the skills or the ideas or the things that you can do. Uh, too many major Christian leaders, in, even in the past two or three years, have have tanked their significant ministries or tank hmm. the reputation of the church, uh, have maligned the reputation of Jesus in our world because although they had awesome skills on the outside, creative ideas, um, way more horsepower than I ever uh, will have because their character development did not keep up, eventually it hijacked what they were doing externally. Mm. And I, I would also say um, th th that it goes along with that. Having accountability, no matter how brilliant or um, wise or how many people are, are tooting your horn, to have people in your life that can probe deeper and, and, and your willingness to answer straightforward questions about your own spiritual health, mm. where your marriage is at, um, uh, how uh, you're engaging the Bible and, and prayer, um, whether you're managing your finances well, what your attitudes are. There's no level of maturity or leadership that is beyond basic accountability. And it's just, there's every time I hear about another leader and there's another significant one just in the past few weeks that it's come to the forefront, I just, it just, another part of me dies mm. to realize like how could that happen and i i wonder to some mm. degree did they get to the place where it it there was no one who felt like they could ask them just basic questions about their their heart and their life and their practices and then things went off the rails so mm. i would say you need people in your life yeah. who are not just teaching you skills but are walking with you authentically and, and can ask you the deeper questions sure that's good and as, as Jason shares that, let me just say um, that has been one of the biggest things that I've always admired about um, Jason here is his integrity and uh, something that I can always look at and um, be proud of and be encouraged and challenged by. Mm -hmm. And uh, so even as you've processed through this um, upcoming change, um, what is always kept me grounded is knowing that um, 
I, I've never had any questions because I know um, the level of integrity that you have. And as you sense God's calling and leading in your life, I know it to be true um, because you have always been a transparent leader here uh, mm-hmm. with this church and with this team. And uh, your integrity does stand out. And so, um, yeah, uh, Vernon gets an amazing leader um, and a leader that has that integrity um, as you prepare to, to move there. And so even as you reflect and share uh, for younger leaders and encouraging parents, um, you're saying we want the best um, in Christian leadership and um, we want the best people there doing that. Um, I look at you and I feel that we have that within you here at Cochrane Alliance and we have enjoyed that. We have enjoyed the best mm-hmm. and we have enjoyed um, great leadership from you and been blessed by that. And so let me ask you that hard question now that maybe a lot of people are thinking through. So why? <laughs> mm-hmm. um, why do why are we losing out on a great leader mm-hmm. here now? here in Cochrane, uh, why the transition, why now, mm. um, what's God doing in your heart and, and what's bringing you there? Mm. Uh, well, thanks. I appreciate the kind words. Um, yeah, that whatever integrity is here needs to continue to be stewarded and maintained. So it, it doesn't, uh, you don't get legacy on that. Um, mm. uh, it, that's, that's probably a, a longer question to really answer it satisfactorily, but that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> to, um, to I'll, I'll, here's how I would try to summarize it. Um, I think it's incumbent on everybody, not just pastors, but anybody who's a Christian at different points in their life to assess, okay, what am I doing? Um, w- what am I about? And how does, how does what I am doing currently contribute to what I'm about? Hmm. And if, if I'm taking Jesus seriously, uh, he talks about, uh, even just this morning, I was reading the parable of the talents and Jesus saying, look, the, the, the owner goes away and gives, gives talents, gives, uh, some investment potential to leaders and says, I want you to do something with this. So that does mean that we have to take stock from time to time to just kind of start saying, well, I'm going to be a pastor and never think about how we're, um, how we're using our calling and gifting. That's, that's not a good way to steward the talents that, that God gives us. So going back in my, the past 16 years here, there have been specific marker points where I have deliberately or with Cindy uh, or with mentors asked myself, uh, how am I using what God has placed in my hand? And am, am I, is my, am I serving, is Cochrane Alliance being best served with me right now? Might they need a different kind of leader? Mm-hmm. Uh, might my skills or my uh, capacity be used better in a different context or uh, what have you? So, uh, specific, the first time I remember a real uh, heavy look at that was in my first sabbatical in 2011 where I, I walked through those questions very specifically and felt the distinct sense that God was saying, look, right here is where you need to be. And er- any time that I have asked that, uh, particularly at key junctures, maybe when we, we did the Open the Door uh, renovation project after that, uh, and it was another time, my sabbatical, 
um, each time I've felt that God has come back and said, no, I, I, um, I think here is your best serve. This is where I want you. This is where you need, where you can continue to be developed and challenged and where you serve my people best. Um, maybe a year ago, uh, I was, I went through another round of that where I was assessing my values, my vision, and, uh, I had the question, I had the thought for the first time, perhaps uh, the best way to steward who I am and, and what God has given me and my experience thus far. If God were to put the right thing there, maybe I might consider it where I can honestly say I've never hmm. in 16 years, there's, I haven't ever considered another job opportunity. So it wasn't just like a thought that came and, oh, yeah, no, 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 push it aside. Like, actually, this time, one to engage with as it as it was there. Yeah. yeah well, even yeah. before the, mm-hmm. the specific opportunity in Ver- no, for sure. came, I yep. was asking. Yep. Mm-hmm. And even um, it was, I can remember it because I was out in, in the hot tub sometime. It was still wintry, but it was mm. in the pandemic. So it must have been in March or April. And I, I had a moment where I was praying and just saying, God, what am, what am I doing? Do you have something? Is there something else going on in me? And I had the distinct sense that he just said, Jason, just wait. And I was like, I, I think I even might have said it out loud. I'm like, okay. <laughs> and I went back inside and got back to work. Uh, when I came across this particular um, opportunity in Vernon uh, in summertime, and, and saw the the particular things that the church uh, led by the board uh, had outlined for the lead pastor position, particularly uh, they've had a, a history of strong preaching there and they want to see that continue, um, developing uh, a strong staff culture, um, refocusing and developing the unique vision of the church. Uh, a lot of those things strike a chord with me the things that I've learned or been practicing or feel passionate about already here. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, I, <clears throat> I had another, uh, uh, lots of conversations obviously with mentors, with Cindy uh, and prayer, but there were some deliberate times where I just said, okay, God, there's some things about this that makes sense. Should I consider? And I had a specific time in, in mid, summer where I I asked God those questions and uh, God didn't tell me what was going to happen but I had a clear sense of that it was a green light to at least open the door to a conversation and the way you open a door to a conversation is you make an application and so I didn't have any sense when I did that whether it was just going to be that was as far as it was going to go or whether leadership might want to open a more intentional conversation and uh, I just felt deep comfort within me to proceed down that process. And then as we got deeper into it, um, mm-hmm. and I, I, I think I shared this more um, more uh, in a detailed way on my sermon on November 1st, where I then felt a direct kind of um, a direct uh, instruction from God that, okay, Jason, now that you're here, I think this is where I want you to be. And mm. so that's maybe even longer than I, I should have talked, but that's how <laughs> I would that's how I would answer that question. But you're a pastor, right? And so that's how it usually goes, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> um 
let me say, uh, Jason just referenced his his sermon there when he talked about this. And if you've not yet uh, listened to that, it will give a little bit more detail into his thought process and what God had been doing in mm-hmm. his life there. Um, can you give us the date on that one, Jason? It's November 1st. November 1st. Yeah. So there yeah. you go. So if you want to look back, um, pull up that sermon from our website and uh, give it a listen and you can hear a little bit more. Mm. Big transition, obviously. Um for us as a church, but for you personally too, your ministry has been here at Cochrane Alliance. Mm-hmm. And so um, moving to a new place, a new church, yes, you go with experience. Yes, you go with knowledge. And um, there's some, probably gives some confidence, but let me let me ask, there, there has to be a little bit of anxiousness now stepping out of a place that you've been in for so long mm-hmm. and people that you're familiar with, a town that you know, at, um, people that have formed you, shaped you to now going to a brand new place mm-hmm. at this point in your life um, as a lead pastor. Is there anxiousness? And if so, what what's what are you anxious for as you now step into a new setting and a new place? Mm-hmm. Uh, one of our, uh, elder team was, wrote me an email a few weeks ago and just, uh, said that how excited they were that I was stepping into something new and unknown because it would remind me that, uh, um, I, I don't know it all and that I have to be dependent on God and just how excited mm-hmm. they were that I would have to be in that place again. Uh, not that I haven't been, but it'll be a profound sense. Uh, if I'm anxious about some things, one, one thing I've articulated to some people is um, because I have such a long tenure here, um, the there's a certain degree of earned credibility or respect or history that I have as a leader and a pastor here. So when we're making decisions or when there's differences of opinion, I'm granted a certain amount of latitude just because, well, hey, he's he's been here for a while and generally we trust him. And so I, I don't know who coined the phrase credibility dollars that mm-hmm. you earn them sure. uh, over time and with uh, godly uh, leadership and with uh, integrity. And then at certain times when you want to change direction or take a risk, you spend them. You mm-hmm. spend your credibility dollars. Well, uh, I feel like my my credibility bank account is is fairly healthy at Cochrane Alliance, uh, maybe more than deserved. Uh, but I just know as I lead, I, I, I have that. Uh, it's an asset that I have. Mm. And going to Vernon now in a place where uh, I have, there's a few people I know there, but very few actually. And I, I don't have history mm. and I haven't proven myself to that particular body yet. I'm a little anxious about what does it mean to lead when you actually, your mm. credibility bank account is rather low. Um, and how does one earn that uh, over time? So I, I wonder about that. I also feel that Cochrane is my town. I'm an uh, no, I'm not an expert, but I, I I I've been in community leadership for a long time. Understand the dynamics of our community. I I know very little about what mm. makes Vernon tick. Both both its uh, unique giftings and good stuff, and also um, the ways in which it's broken. And so uh, how can I learn that? How do I, how do I work with the church to set vision when I don't yet, Mm. I don't yet know everything. Mm. Um, And uh, also uh, I I have some anxiousness. Uh, The uh, Stuart McKnight, who has pastored 
uh, at Vernon Alliance, um, basically you know, the exact amount of time that I pastored here mm. in Cochrane. Uh, is he is a very fine preacher, expositor, theologian, a handler of the Bible, uh, and I feel uh, going there. Um, I feel a little like uh, uh, insecure about my own <laughs> preaching abilities, whether I'll be able to measure up to the mm. high degree of mm. um, quality and uh, um, seriousness which which Stuart brought to the craft of preaching. So, so I, you'll know the feeling the rest of us feel here when we <laughs> preach following yeah. you. Yeah, I'm not so sure. But, uh, yeah, those are a few things I'm wondering about. Hmm. Yeah. Well, if I may, maybe uh, in order to not have to have a loan owing on relational credit, maybe no uh, cigars, uh, licorice cigars or oh, caskets. Well, okay, that, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> point, point taken. All right. Um, maybe just one last thing then to, to close off for, mm-hmm. for, for us and for this church. Again, you are a big part of the history and the DNA that uh, that is Cochrane Alliance Church. Obviously, that's God working in and through you, but you have served faithfully for so long. And so in the midst of a transition, um, I'd ask if you could complete this sentence for, for us as a church. God is calling this congregation to be. And so obviously we're left with maybe a little bit of uncertainty or unknown, Um, we are in a good place, a healthy place as a church and confident, obviously in, in God's guidance and his direction and his leading. But if you could speak one thing to, to this church family, um, in this season of transition, what would you say God is calling this congregation to be? Uh, I feel like an academic, I always have to give caveats before I give my answer. I, (laughs) I think, um, the a good leader will also knows when it's time to allow that congregation to make their own calls. And so I know the future of Cochrane Alliance will, will carry some of my DNA, uh, but it, God will also call it in new directions. So mm-hmm. I, w- I would want to say to uh, my people, uh, to our people, um, uh, that I... I, I want you to be sensitive mostly to the voice of the Holy Spirit as you consider what you are to be and where you are to go. But if I were to give, if I were to say, I, I hope, or these are some things that have been true and I hope they will continue to be true of us. Yeah. Uh, the three words that come to mind are God is calling us to be salt, light, and family. Hmm. Uh, salt and light, those are Jesus words from the Sermon on the Mount and, um, I think a hallmark of, of Cochrane Alliance is that we are a church that exists not just for our own sake, but for the good of the community. And so whatever is done internally here, uh, we exist for the good of this town and uh, that m- on every level, physical, relational, uh, spiritual, however we can represent Jesus and his heart and compassion for people. Uh, and, and he said, we do that by being a light, uh, by, uh, seeing the needs of others and meeting them by being salt. That means, uh, being, a, a transforming, preserving presence in the community. So even as we do church stuff, as we support one another, as Christians, we, yeah. we don't just exist for ourselves. Mm-hmm. And then family, uh, there's all kinds of analogies in the Bible about what the, what is the church 
So it's a body, it's a community. Um, but the favorite word that I've used probably for the past 10 years is it's the family of God. We're mm. adopted kids. And that means we have each other's backs. We support each other in difficult times. Um, we we de- we intentionally develop relationships. It's not just about attending a service once a week and happening to see a bunch of other people who do that at the same time, but mm. it's integration of life and the the practical way we care for one another. Uh, uh, Cochrane Alliance is that. Uh, I'm convinced that we have been a family to one another. We don't. There are certainly some stories that we have that we we miss the mark or we fail Mm. uh but i have so many stories of ways that we've been family to one another and Mm. i would just say god is calling you to continue to be family Mm. don't just attend stuff or listen stuff or watch stuff online or you know pick up a few things here and there but uh get to know your brothers and sisters and serve them and uh that's what he's calling us to be oh great well, thank you, Jason. Um, it's been a pleasure to just reflect with you and, again, allow you to, to share uh, your heart and how God has worked in your life over your time here. Um, I, I'd like to, to pray for you if I, if I can. And, uh, but before we do that, I know you wanted to um, give some acknowledgement here on The Real Podcast uh, to others that are involved. So why don't you do that? And, yep. then, uh, and then I'll close us off here. So there are a couple people who have uh, been indispensable to this podcast journey over the past year and a half. Uh, Randall Heyer from the beginning has been the guy who has set up the mics, uh, got the recordings done, um, and uh, been a massive asset uh, to making this possible. So I just want to say thank you to Randall. And uh, since this spring, Kara Howlett uh, has been uh, my producer uh, on uh, getting details organized with guests on the podcast to developing uh, lists of questions, editing stuff when it didn't uh, pan out as clearly as we thought, mm-hmm. uh, and just uh, generally keeping um, uh, my feet to the fire on doing things that I've said. <laughs> so Kara's been indispensable, particularly to this past season, and I want to say That's thank great. you to Kara yeah. uh, for her work, without which uh, this would not have been uh, uh, possible this year. Mm-hmm. And to your wonderful host for today. And to my yeah, wonderful right. host today. Yeah. <laughs> um, for those that are listening, a quick reminder, uh, we are looking to have still a celebration for the Kaliba family in January. And so you can check out our website for details on that. Uh, we're still hoping to be able to have that farewell and a send off for them. Uh, there are other ways you can uh, express uh, thanks and just blessing upon them as well. You can uh, email in letters of encouragement and reflection to Wendy at CochraneAlliance.com. You can also submit uh, digital photos there too. And uh, we would love to, to bless their family in that way. Jason, allow me to, uh, to close this. I just want to pray for you and your family uh, as you prepare for uh, this transition. Thank you. Yes. Um, I want to read over you just Philippians chapter 1 here, uh, just a few verses. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. And Paul says, it is right for me to feel this way about all of you. Mm. Jason, it is right for us to feel this way 
about you and Cindy, Katie, Maya, Ellie, and Shay. We are thankful to our Heavenly Father for the gift of the Kaliba family. Thankful for each and every one of you for your partnership in the gospel. Jesus, from the day that you began here to your um, to this present day, you and your family, as it, as they have as it has grown over those years, has served uh, faithfully to the call that Jesus Christ has placed upon you to serve as a youth pastor, an associate, a lead pastor, and to use those words that you gave to us to be salt, light, and family in the community of Cochrane. And so we just pray blessing upon you this day and in the days that are to come. We thank God for, um, yeah, just your, your integrity, for your humble heart, for the ways that you have led this church family, for the ways that you have challenged us and the ways that you have stretched us, the ways that you have called us to grow, the ways um, that we have just seen fruit happen, uh, take place here in this family. Thank you for allowing God to work in and through you, um, both personally and as a family. And as God brings you to a new place now to continue to be salt, light, and family, we pray uh, that you would continue to see fruit in your ministry, that your family would continue to, to be blessed, that they would settle well, that they would um, be excited, that there would be encouragement, that... Um, uh, God, we ask that you would just carry the, the worries and the anxieties that may be there. We pray for a healthy start for you in Vernon and just for a blessing upon your ministry that those that are there would continue to now just uh, be blessed by the person that you are um, as you continue to be the hands and the feet of Jesus. And just that uh, this church family would continue to live in the way, too, that you have encouraged us. I believe we can say with confidence that you have followed those, those words in Scripture that Paul gave, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. You have been that to this church family. You have been that to, uh, to our staff, to our town. And uh, so we, may we continue to live in that way, and would you continue to serve in such a way uh, as you uh, move to Vernon. And so, God, again, we say thank you. Thank you for the Kaliba family and for their partnership in the gospel. We thank you that we are now just a family that's spread out a little bit more and uh, seeing your good works um, in more places. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Jason. I think it's fitting that uh, you give your sign-off here as, uh, as we close our time together. Uh, well, thanks, Jason. Uh, humbling on uh, humbling to receive that. So appreciate it, and uh, appreciate all those of you who have been uh, joining us virtually uh, for these podcasts. And again, uh, stay tuned. We'll uh, we'll make some decisions in the coming months on on how uh, this could continue. Uh, but uh, humbling to uh, <laughs> get interviewed on my own show today. So <laughs> thanks, Jason. You're welcome. Thanks for listening to The Real Podcast. For more information on this episode and others, check out our website at cochranealliance.com backslash real. And if there's something that you've learned or would like to comment on, feel free to drop us a line. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time, keep it real. Keep it real.